In this episode of George Bulldogs by the Numbers, Brent Rollins and I will go over the lack of running out of Georgia's offense against a defense that Vanderbilt diced up. The defense, though great, was a little bit boring. The offense, you got to look at Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. So who do you go with moving forward? And then we'll look ahead at the University of Tennessee. How does Georgia beat them up like they beat everybody else up? We'll answer that question next in Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Welcome to George Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins of UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus. He focuses on the college numbers because, look, I mean, let's be honest, college football is the best brand of football. The NFL, eh, I can take it or leave it. I usually don't watch, to be honest with you. Completely honest, I don't watch the NFL that much, if ever. I, I watch so much college football that I'm kind of, I mean, I watch, I peek in on the Falcons, but also a lot of our youth football games are on Sundays. They have been for the for the longest time. I haven't watched a ton of pro football in a long time. Usually the Sunday night, Monday night game, yeah. a little bit. It's on. Yeah, I will watch it if my my son Jacob's got it on, who's 17, and he's really into football. So I, I will watch it with him, but never do I go to the NFL and watch it on my own. There's just a, there's a lot there. There's a lot of reasons, and we won't get into those here. Anyway, one thing I do watch other than college football is Atlanta Braves baseball and baseball in general. I love some baseball. I love the Atlanta Braves. I'm so excited that that team won a World Series, having a 17% chance of winning it all when they got to the playoffs. And by golly, it they, they used every bit of that 17%. Felt really good. I felt like I may have jinxed it a couple, you know, three, four weeks back when I said that, the Braves had a very 04 Red Sox vibe yeah. to me. Yeah. Kind of that I don't give a rip. Yeah. You know, we're just gonna do it no matter what kind yeah. of vibe, especially with Jock and the way he carries himself. <laughs> uh, but hey, I'm just glad they did it. It was fun. It was so exciting to see. My kids, they went to sleep. The boy, my boys are 15 and 13. They went to sleep in the middle innings. I woke them up for the ninth. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it was just awesome to see an awesome moment and woke up just a little bit more relieved and a little more calm and just kind of chill. Yeah. The next day. Yeah, no. Morning. It was funny because my son and I, we went out to Dick's Sporting Goods at two fo- or at 12.45 in the morning buying World Series sweatshirts and T-shirts and that sort of stuff to be able to wear the next day. We are so proud of the team. And, and we thought, man, you know, we had heard that they were going to be open. We were afraid when we get out there, there's going to be nobody there. Doors are closed. Uh-uh. There was like 350 people in there. They weren't even they weren't even laying things out by size. They because there were so many people trying to get so much. They were just dumping the boxes of shirts and sweatshirts on the tables. I had someone tell me about that that they went and did the same thing. And I said, so was it like Black Friday? Kinda. She said, no, nothing like Black Friday. Everybody was helping everyone. Oh, well, there was that. You need a large? Okay, here's a large. You need a small? Okay, here's a <laughs> yeah. small. And it's just yeah. like this euphoria. It was, yeah. As opposed to, give me that, give me that. That's it was, fine. 
Here yeah. you go. Here's yours. I'll take mine. Yeah. So I was thinking the Black Friday rush is what I thought of. But uh, but yes, there was an assistance. People were, were helping each other out, and and it was a lot of fun. Anyway, enough of that. Atlanta Braves, go Braves. Now if we can get Georgia national championship. Did you see before? Wait, one more. One more. Because they honored Coach Richt at the halftime of the Missouri game. They spelled Richt out. The Redcoat Marching Band did and did such a tremendous job. There was a picture that he tweeted out, and it was with Blooper and with Harry Dog. And it said, celebrating one World Series championship and looking forward to a national championship soon. Or something to that regard. It's there. Yeah, it's, it's all right in front of you. all there for the taking. It's let's, all there for the taking. Let's get into it. We always talk about Georgia's defense, and everybody does. It is by far the best defense in all of college football, no question. But interesting, when I brought it up to you before the show, you said, that's ah, a little boring. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games where mainly because the opponent wasn't that good. Well, you didn't have, like, it wasn't like Florida where you had just the game-changing, massive plays like Nolan Smith's ripping the fumble out, the interception, the pick six from the coach. You didn't have those level of plays that just stood out. It was just solid defense. We're way better than them. And when Missouri had the opportunity to make some plays, because they did, they did some things to them that Tennessee and Alabama are going to take notes on but and, you know, and use, but they just couldn't make them. They weren't that good. Yeah, and you're talking about big plays, and you mentioned Nolan Smith specifically. I mean, he did have an old block punt that could have been a yes. touchdown. Yes, and special teams, uh, I actually wrote about this today. It'll go up on the UGA Sports site tomorrow. I do look at, a, for Pro Football Focus, I look at a lot of special teams, and do and it's primarily what I do now. I do some other things, but primarily special teams grading. It's it's rough in college football, when you especially when you get outside of the top-level teams. But that is an area, because of the way Georgia is recruited, that every game they go into, short of playing Alabama or Ohio State, they are – better up everywhere on special teams yeah because they have guys that are just uber talented they put some of their best players there they don't it's not like they don't play their guys on special teams it's just an advantage week in and week out for them that you know in this multiple times this season you know whether it be a block field goal or a block punt uh, or a big return you've seen them take advantage of that uh, of it yeah no no doubt a couple sacks this game as well yeah and just it was interesting that Missouri had the two quarterback system that they were kind of in and out with. <laughs> Sounds one obviously was one obviously was a much better runner. One was more of the throwing type, and it actually, yeah, you know, it kind of gave some good reps for the defense. See some different things because guess what they face this week? They face a guy who does both. Yeah, and who does both really well. I don't know that I get caught up in this as a trap game, but are you alluding to that? I don't know as a trap game. I, I've I think I said this about five or six weeks ago on uh, the Around the League podcast that we do with Coach Donnan uh, on, on Thursday that Dane Young and I do with Coach Donnan. Tennessee's the toughest remaining test on their schedule. And I said and a, while, a while ago, just, and it's, it wasn't necessarily because of the talent aspect, because Georgia's obviously more talented top to bottom. Tennessee lost so much of their roster through the portal. They've brought in a lot of different guys, but the key is, is that Hypo doesn't care. He's going to stretch you every single step of the field horizontally. He's going to stretch you vertically. And he's not going to care. He's going to do what he does. He's going to run his tempo. He might go three and out three times in a row and be down 21 nothing. Yeah. But he also might hit two big plays, and it's 14-7 them. Yeah. Well, look, uh, speaking of, because Georgia's only been down. Second time maybe this year. Yeah, something like that. I think I saw the stat at, uh, on the Twitter handle for UGASports.com, and, and it had talked about Georgia only being down, you know, a couple times a season altogether. And for, like, Less than 10 minutes or something like that. It was just an yes. ungodly number. Very minimal. Very minimal. And it was, you know, it was kind of one of those weird, like, okay, come on now. 
fellas, let's let's take care of business here. It was a little, a little bit of a sluggish start, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. But ultimately, I mean, Georgia's defense, though you said a little bit boring this week, they still only allowed, what, five touchdowns all season long? Yep. And I think in, in the nine games, it's like 52 points or something like that if you take away the pick six in the UAB game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's un, it's insane what they've done from a from a just efficiency, any, any metric that you want to look at. Yeah. They're – out of this world right now at that yeah it's it's a lot of fun to watch them so uh let's let's transition then to the offense because you talked about missouri using a two-quarterback system that's why i said it sounded familiar because the georgia tried out two quarterbacks as well stetson bennett started the game and then uh jt daniels came in and and used a quote from greg mcelroy as we were prepping for the show mcelroy basically said something that you've said a bunch is that georgia's kind of got two starters yes jt may be more accurate or can throw a, a ball that'll get you a touchdown or get you a big play that maybe stetson can't alternatively stetson has got wheels he can move and create a couple plays that jt can't so they balance each other out a little bit yeah they do they really do and you saw and you saw and what's interesting now with stetson is the big time plays, the big time down the field throws, like the throw to Arian Smith, that was just an absolute beyond beautiful throw. Yeah, it was perfect. Air, putting air under it, letting that guy go, letting him be, go be fast and go get it. Like he's going to do that. He's done it too often now over the over the course of this season and some of last, where he's going to make those one or two just great throws every game. What you're what you hope to see is that he minimizes the the sort of the bad part, and, you know, much like Auburn fans talk about the whole good Bo Nix versus bad Bo <laughs> yeah. Nix. Yeah. If you now look, so Stetson has now played 14 games in which he has at least 10 attempts against an FBS opponent. Half of those games, he has an 80.0 or better passing grade. Wow. Seven of the 14. So an elite, uh, an upwards of elite level passing grade in seven of those 14 games. But he also has four games where his passing grade is less than 60, i.e. Mm. below average. So it is the so, good Stetson, bad Stetson. It really is. And but if he minimizes the the negative throws, and by the way, the big thing with this weekend that you saw when you get well weapons that are starting to get healthy, when you see Marcus Rosemary Jacks ain't making plays, you mm-hmm. see Arian Smith, which by the way, I've long said that Arian Smith is the one guy on their roster that can change their offense. He is a true game changer because of his speed. And he's a, and he's not just a speed guy who's playing receiver. You watch him track the ball, you watch him go get it, you watch him catch. He's a receiver who just happens to be insanely fast. Yeah. But him and then Burton getting healthy and making plays like when that when you add that to the mix of the basically the best tight end room in America, like it makes him it makes Stetson that much better. Of course, now he can go make plays and do those things. But like we said, Georgia has two quarterbacks. JT got in. It was good to see he needed to get those reps. Yeah, he did. It was time to see him get those reps. It was it was very much needed. Uh, You see him. And what's interesting with him, we've we've talked about this before, is how. With him, you just see way more screens. And I think a lot of it is him checking to it almost because he sees it and he sees an advantage and he's taking advantage of something quickly. But, you know, he comes in the game and like three of his four, four, first four passes are screen passes. He had one where he's a little bit behind the receiver, ball pops up, you get an interception. But you needed to get him those reps because you never know, you know, hey, one little twisted ankle, who knows what, and he's playing. And, yeah. and he's ready, at least ready to play and got some reps. So that was very important for that team in general, I think, to get him those reps and by the way, once you hit the middle of the third quarter, it was a, in essence, garbage time game. So 
you need to get that him and a lot of other guys reps. You're definitely going to be healthy as you move into the SEC championship. You should, which is uh, be healthy. Yeah, which is really really important. So uh, I agree on getting JT the reps. I was glad to see that. Just the being rusty part. That's all it is, right? Yes and no. You could say that, but then the very first game he played last year against Mississippi State, he had the best game he's probably ever played in his life. Yeah, but I knew you were going to so, point that out, point something out that I didn't think of. <laughs> but you know, so you know the rust thing, but still, yet it, it should be real. You know, when you're playing with a team that you know from a practice standpoint, maybe he hasn't practiced a whole, a whole lot versus last year. He was practicing a whole lot. He just wasn't playing. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's a little bit different, but still, yet those reps were very needed. And very good to see him get out there. Talking about the wide receivers really quick. Can you talk about Burton coming back and Arian Smith and just all the the weapons that Georgia has? What does that do to Lad McConkey? Because he he's no slouch, and and I've I've fallen in love with Lad, man. I love watching that kid play. He is, and it's just you you see. I think what you're going to see is what you saw a little bit on Saturday is somewhat equal distribution of targets. I think they had seven different receivers with at least two targets. I think Adonai Mitchell had maybe five or six, but outside of that, it was. Three, 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 two, two. Like you had a bunch of different guys getting targets. And I think that just, it makes your offense, as long as you play efficiently at the quarterback position, it makes your offense very dangerous because defenses can't, it's not like, uh, you know, granted when Alabama had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, you know, those two guys were just better than everybody else, but you can't just focus in on certain guys specifically. You got to play them all. There's plenty of talent there, but I guess that's why I asked the question because I don't want to see Ladd getting. Because he's been there, he's earned it. I just don't want to see him weeded out because no, he's not. Okay, good. News. He's not going to be there. That's good news. He's, I mean, he's. I, I don't see him whatsoever. I still see him very much being a part of the package. Now, a lot of times it's it's choice and it's quarterback choice in terms of where it is that uh, you know he goes with the ball. But no, he's still going to play. And he's still going to play a lot. Offense, as far as the running game goes, a little left to be desired there. I was uh, a little nervous, the fact that Georgia couldn't move the ball. And is that the blueprint for Tennessee and Georgia Tech and, and, and maybe if it's Alabama or Auburn or whomever it is in the SEC championship and in you know the, the playoffs as Georgia heads into the playoffs, pretty, fairly certain that they'll be there. How alarmed are you that they weren't able to run against Missouri? Is it because Missouri had play, planned for it so well, they knew it was coming, which shouldn't matter because this is the team in Missouri that got gashed by Vanderbilt. Yeah, and you think about like Missouri was one of the worst. I think it was like 130th or 131st in terms of rushing allowed. Yeah, it was I mean, last so in the country. It was. It's really bad. Dead last. Honestly, none of the when they struggle in the running game, it never shocks me. I'll say this as someone who's somewhat critical of how they are that use their running game. And the way I, the reason I say that, and, and I put like a big for those of you that are subscribed to the Dog Vent, you know, go to the Dog Vent on UJSports.com. I put a massive post on this. But you think about the running game. How do you have success in the running game? One, you get one of your guys on one of their guys, each one, and you just move people. And then your back goes and finds a hole. That's one way. Two is through creating numbers and angles by like a formation or using misdirection or counter type plays to create you having more people to, than they have to defend, you having more blockers than they have defenders. Or then lastly, it's having an unblocked defender that you put into conflict. Whether that be by, by conflict, you hear offensive guys and defensive guys say this a lot, but he has to make a choice. All right, do I play the running back or do I play the quarterback? Yeah. Do I stay back and play pass or do I come up and play run? And their offense rarely does that. And what you're seeing teams do for the most part in this, especially with Stetson playing quarterback, 
is they're the defense is being plus one to whatever the formation they have. Like if they have just you know three receivers, one tight end, eleven personnel, so they have six blockers basically in the box. Defense is plus one, they'll go seven. If they have two tight ends in the game, twelve personnel, and they're you know they're lined up close to the line of scrimmage, so they got seven blockers. The defense will go eight. So they're always plus one in the running game. And when you don't do the second and third thing, when you don't use misdirection to create numbers and angles, or you don't leave a, a defender unblocked and create conflict, the defense is always going to have more numbers. It just is. It's just the fact of you know football and, and playing defense in the box. And that's what's always, to me, going to make their running game inconsistent. Because also, they just have a lot of average players. To average to above average players. It's not like they have first round guys in the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So you seeing that is is different than everybody else seeing it. You're you're I call you the professor of football. You can find him on Twitter at Brent Rollins PhD because he is indeed a PhD. Uh you can find me at Tug Cowart. I'm a three time college dropout. Not my not my most proud moments. It just is what it is. Dalton State College. I feel like I should be in some sort of Guinness Book of World Records because I I feel like I own that record. Dropping out of the same college three times. Anywho <laughs> let me uh, let me get back to the point at hand. If you're noticing that, how can Todd Munkin, or is he noticing that, and he's going to make those adjustments? I think you'll gradually see that, and I think it's quite possible that they're st- saving a lot of these things till till they absolutely too. absolutely need. It's possible, but for the most part, I don't know that they would be sort of saving anything. But I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw in the early part, later part of the first half, early part of the second half. You saw Kyrus Jackson get a jet sweep. You saw the reverse to Arian Smith. You saw just very you know quick tosses on the out edges. You're going to see like if they start doing all of these the sort of diversity in the run game things that they can and have done, they're going to be efficient in the running game. But I just don't I don't know that they are good enough with one scheme and then two the players to just line up and say hey we're coming at you. Now they did in the fourth quarter against Clemson, but a lot of that was numbers advantage and they played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did it uh, against uh, who was it? Auburn, I think yeah. it was, and you know, yeah. the end of that, you know, yeah. the second half of that game. And that's again, when you do numbers and angles and you know, certain time, you know, if you've played a you know, do it in the fourth quarter, different story than say first and second quarter. But the key for them, if they're gonna be as explosive as they are in the passing game, which you know, get rid of that non it's you know, the whole it's boring, it's not explosive quote from Kirby. Yeah. They're number two still in the power five in terms of explosive pass percentage. And that number is only going up. So you know, they're being very explosive in the passing game. Now they just need to be efficient in the running game and go get four, go get six, go get seven on a consistent basis. And they do that to complement all the weapons they have on the outside. That's what makes your offense a 40-point-per-game offense. You sound so crazy. Let's say we, this podcast was recorded three years ago. <laughs> you would sound insane. They're so efficient throwing the ball, and they're just <laughs> average running the ball. That sounds insane, but that's what Georgia fans have been asking for forever. And and now I've gotten it and probably still aren't. Now happy. they're mad they're not running yeah, the ball. Exactly. Well. <laughs> I saw a hat where my son works over at Onward Reserve, which is owned by a, a former Georgia student. I don't know if he was a football player or not. But regardless, he has the Onward Reserve locations in all the college towns, Georgia and Auburn and Alabama and Nashville, which is wherever. All the all the college towns. Clemson. And the one the ones here in Georgia always have the hat to say, run the damn ball. <laughs> and it's so great because I like that hat a whole lot, but I've never been one that was, hey, we need to throw it more and not run it. I was just always for, I want to win. I don't care how you get there. And But recently, Brent, what popped up in the onward reserve is pass the damn ball. <laughs> it's, it's like, 
<laughs> did you buy it? That could be like that could be the official hat of Bulldogs by the numbers. No, no, good. No, I didn't. But I just I I almost took a picture of them side by side. You know, like which one is it, y'all? Which, which one do you want? Make a make a pick. Take make, a pick. Make a choice and quit being such a pain in the butt. All right, um, on to Tennessee, because Tennessee, like you said, is going to be a little bit of a wild card because they are going to do anything and everything. They got nothing to lose, and they're playing very confident right now. Like people, you know, people might look if if people don't look at the score, they just look at the score of the Alabama game and see fifty-two to twenty-four or twenty-eight or whatever it was. They are vastly mistaken with how well they played against Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that game was that was a seven-point game early in the fourth quarter. And not to mention that Tennessee failed in the first half on third and less than two, two or one, third and two or third and one on four separate occasions that stopped drives. Goodness. That they that could have, you know, that didn't, you know, that could have resulted in points and, and didn't, or they they just they were this close to really, you know, to being like up 14. Yeah. Uh, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So and the biggest thing is once they put Hen and Hooker at quarterback, it let everything from their offense for the most part fall into place. They struggled against Florida. Florida was obviously a completely different team then. But when you look at he started seven games. And this is his combined rushing and and passing touchdown totals in those seven games. Four, two, four, four, two, three, four. Pretty consistent. The dude is playing just lights out. He's a top 10 graded quarterback right now every, you know in terms of the time frame with with which he started. And he's a I think at one point he had almost forced as many tackles as he had attempts as a runner. And the biggest thing with Tennessee, and that's this, I'm just fascinated to watch their offense play against Georgia's defense because of two things, how they stretch the field, both horizontally and then vertically. Mm -hmm. Like there were, you're going to see their receivers and they're going to be lined up one step from the sideline Two, And they're going to be two of them right there, right by the sideline. And there's going to be, or they're going to be two receivers on each side and all four receivers are going to be within a yard or two of the sideline. And then you're going to have this, you know, small game that's being played in where the where the ball line of scrimmage is, and then they're also going to stress the field vertically, and they don't care. Yeah, they don't care who you you're playing. They're going to do what they do. The key there for me is I I don't know that Tennessee can block Georgia's front, right? But if they can, they're going to test Georgia's defense in a way that no one has tested Georgia's defense this year. So give me a prediction on this game. I mean, I, I this initially feels like a 34, 37 to like twenty. So this game. would be the first game that that. A team has actually scored on Georgia and and put up a a pretty decent fight. I, I I tend to think so. Now, like I said earlier, they could go get four straight three and outs, go really fast, and be down twenty eight nothing in a heartbeat. Yeah, like Which that could happen. happen. Yeah, sure. But then it could but, go the other way, like you're saying with with you know they're a couple plays away from being up fourteen in Tuscaloosa on Alabama. Right. So it, it this is I, I'm just excited to watch this game just to see. Okay. Just well, to I'm see not. how how Georgia responds. I'm not. How you know? <laughs> okay. I'm not. I'm throwing up in my you mouth. You just want to get through it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can we just go to the national championship, win that, and be done? Can we just do that? Because that's what I, I mean. Would that say. would that would be fun. But what's the interesting thing is who who in the world? I mean, Auburn had a chance. Like they had a chance to you know sort of run the table and make that game against Alabama uh, really really legit. But they can still beat Alabama, and and if Texas A&M wins out, now Texas A&M, if Auburn beats Alabama, is in the SEC championship. Yeah, which is uh, so fascinating as well. Yes, and Texas A&M to me would have minimal chance of of scoring uh, much against Georgia. They just don't have good enough quarterback play, unless Calzada has another like out of body of experience like he had against Alabama. But uh, still, it, it's I'm ready to get there as well. 
But this game this week is going to tell you a lot, and it's it's and up there. And I think Kirby actually said this either post game or after the game or something. A lot of those guys, a lot of the guys on the on the team haven't played there and haven't played in there with you know full stadium and you know that kind of thing. And it so, should be a full stadium with the number one in the be nation, full and packed and loud, and it's going to be a true road game. So it, it's how do you how do you play tr- on a, in a true road game again? I'm I, like I said, I'm looking forward to watching this game. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I will be at Sanford University with my son Jacob doing a uh, a baseball prospect camp, and uh, I'll be watching probably on my phone and keeping up with it. And you know, it's one of those. Mo- it's, this is actually the good words, Lord's way of going. It's going to be okay, son, because either way it goes, you know, I like I'll be celebrating or you know trying to jump face first off of the uh, bleachers into the concrete. One of the two. Nah, you'll be you'll be good. Your no, mind will I be can't. taken off of it. Nah, have fun with no. That's the kid. That's why I'm saying the good Lord knew what he was doing in this weekend. Yes. He was like, "We're going to schedule you so you can't sit in front of the TV and just bite your fingernails until they bleed." <laughs> it's all gross, but um, but yeah. So hey, Will Smith just didn't didn't give up any runs in the postseason. So yeah, all, all it's good. Dude, second person Speaking of biting history, fingernails. Yeah, second person in history to do that in the history of baseball. Zero point zero zero ERA over eleven innings pitched. I mean, it's just I mean it's remarkable numbers. I mean, it really is unbelievable what some of the some of the numbers like I said, seventeen percent chance of going to the World Series when the playoffs started. Just I mean, th- those numbers are just unbelievable. They really are unbelievable. Like you know, look, Georgia's had a lot of unbelievable numbers this year too. So it uh it's good. I um I, I have my little I don't know if I showed it to you the uh, the little meme my uh, my buddy made me and it just says 100% Atlanta Georgia, and that's yes. that's what I am right there as uh, good bad or or ugly. Uh, Get through I, this week yeah. and then you can definitely make plans for the SEC championship to start. You can start yeah. scouting Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you, well, but, well, but see that so quickly, quickly before we wrap here. Do you think it's Alabama? Or do you think Auburn's going to? I mean, I think the Iron Bowl is going to be a slugfest and i can't wait to watch that i do think it's gonna be alabama i just I, bryce young is really good yeah he's just really good he's very it was amazing by the way that lsu played them like they did but i, I still think in the end it's going to be alabama that he's just he's often too oftentimes the best player on the field yeah i i get that and there's for me i don't want and look it's not i don't care about auburn or alabama i, I mean i don't care about either one of them you know but I would rather beat Alabama. That's who I'll, I mean, that's who you want to beat. You want to beat the Dodgers. Yeah, exactly right. That's a great analogy. Great or great great comparison. Um, you want to beat the you want to beat the team that has given you down the road and and Alabama surely has done that and and you'd be you'd be lying if you said otherwise because we all know it. And anyway, so it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. And uh, so then moving forward, let's say it is Alabama. Where does Georgia stack up? How do you feel like Georgia stacks up against Alabama? in the SEC championship, if it were to become that? The biggest thing for me will be, can they get Bryce Young on the ground? He does such a great job of avoiding pressure and staying calm and sliding one way, sliding in another way, and then you know making big plays. I, I think they can cover them. I think they can do, do – I think they can work them offensively. I just I wonder if that guy just ends up being the best player on the field. That's what I would that's which, what I would worry with. Which him. is which is definitely possible. That would be the worst though. Losing losing to Alabama and then nah, don't talk like that. Well, no, I was just can't, saying we can't. no, of course, but I'm just saying if it were to play out that way, because we're in hypothetical land, right? We're in the we're in yeah. the tree of trust. Uh but hey, I I do think what's interesting about that is I don't know that 
it's not like losing. There's a possibility that losing Alabama, you don't get in the playoff. But I, I think at that point, no, you're in. Either you're, way. you're you should be in. The only thing that would scare me there is if somehow you got twelve and one Ohio State, twelve and one Oregon, and undefeated Oklahoma. That would be the only scenario to me where Georgia is like, uh oh. I still, I still don't. Uh, I still think they would be okay, man. Just they've been number one in the nation. It, it's it's kind of like the Alabama thing. You know, I, I would I would have said the same thing about if we, Alabama was in this situation, it would still be Alabama. I don't know. If you got 12-1 and one Ohio State who's just run through Michigan State, Michigan, somebody else in the Big Ten Championship, and then you've got undefeated Oklahoma who just won a conference championship, and then you got 12-1 and one Oregon who's a conference champion and beat Ohio State at Ohio State, I could see the committee leaving Georgia, putting Georgia at five. Oh, boy, that'd be ugly. All right, let's, yeah, let's move along. Let's, yeah, not, see? let's you, not talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to go there we gotta Seriously. let we gotta let november and let other weird stuff in college football happen because i think i could see oregon getting beat but i don't know yeah well, well look how about purdue don't did anybody see that one coming besides greg mcelroy who actually called it on the broadcast hey they got ohio state this week i think it's at ohio state but yeah i don't think they get into yeah. two big upsets like that yeah you never know that would, but that yeah. that would be something boy wouldn't it ever anyway you should follow brent rollins on uh twitter at Brent Rollins, Ph.D. You can find me at Tug Cowart's. Make sure you subscribe to Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers, the podcast. Like, follow, share, subscribe, all those things. But also, subscribe to UGASports.com, $99 a year. You will be the most informed Georgia fan at the water cooler every day, bar none. Unless the person also subscribes, as I've said before, then you would be you know, competing titans, whoever could remember the most. A- outside of that, make sure you subscribe, subscribe to... Um, Pro Football Focus and the College Grades. Hit that for like a buck thirty dime, and uh, Brent writes there too, so you can see a lot of his work. And then uh, always come back here for uh, next week's podcast. Is there anything we left out, man? Is there anything we should have covered we didn't? I, I feel like I we, think got, we, we covered we hit it all. A vast majority. We had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yes, sir, we did. Each week, we appreciate you spending time with us on George Bulldogs by the numbers. Make it a great day. See you soon, bud. Take it easy. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.